Hi, I'm Chris Lamont, New South Wales Small Business Commissioner, and welcome to Talking Business. Today, I'm speaking with Jenny and Todd Raffin, owners of Almighty Industries. I recently visited Orange and was impressed at the success of this local manufacturing business, as well as the strength of the local economy. Todd and Jenny have a real passion for their community and providing opportunities for young people. Todd started life as a farrier and with wife Jenny, built an amazing business which now employs 55 staff and supplies customised vehicles to the mining industry, as well as local and state government agencies. Welcome to Talking Business, Jenny and Todd. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for letting us be here. No, it's my pleasure because your story is a fantastic one and it's one that I want to share with all of the small businesses in New South Wales. It's often said that from small things, big things can grow, and you're a great example of that. But I'm keen to go back to when it all and how it all started. Todd, you started your career shoeing horses. How do you go from shoeing horses to building custom cars and trucks? Um, I've been asked that a lot over the years. Welding was always an interest of mine, and while I was completing my apprenticeship as a farrier, um, I attended TAFE at night and completed my welding certificates. And then in 2003, an opportunity popped up. My brother-in-law had started up a used truck sales business here in Orange, and he was having a real struggle to find a local company to carry out welding repairs to complete uh, the truck refurbishments before being able to sell them. So... I'd go in and help him on weekends and nights and I realised, you know, how much I enjoyed this type of work and it and it kind of grew from there. Wow. Uh, do you still enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I don't get um, many opportunities now to go welding unless we're doing a project for ourselves, but, you know, just being around it all the time and, you know, having guys building and we're creating, you know, yeah, I do really enjoy it. So going from sort of weekend helping out to you know, starting your own business, you know, what were some of the challenges you experienced in, in getting started? Look, working capital was probably the biggest hurdle we had to overcome. Um, Jenny and I, you know, like we started 20 years ago with not a lot of equity behind us and I was the only employee. So one of the tough times to that is, you know, you start to take on larger projects and because you're only on your own, you can't employ, afford to employ people, it causes a pretty big cash flow pain. Like, you know, some of the, you know, we had other issues along the road, I suppose, you know, like just raising capital again to purchase plant and equipment, you know, you're, you're buying secondhand stuff, things aren't working out well there and you're trying to repair them and all that sort of stuff. But where could you feel the wheels of the business really starting to turn? Look, you know, that happened probably in about, we're about five years into the business. We had two sides of the business pretty much where, you know, we're doing general fabrication in our truck body side. And that's where we made the split and go on, okay, well, let's go to the truck body side. Um, we then pushed down into local government councils and that sort of thing at local dealerships. Um pretty lucky there they they gave us some opportunities that you know we we're able to show those guys that we were capable to meet the industry standards along the way um and then from there i think our first um larger government contract was to build 12 tippers um which was down for a local council in the mountains and from there it just sort of grew into other councils and then you know we've been lucky enough to uh, pick up some national clientele so 
you know, we build for different companies Australia-wide now, um, and it's just taken off from there. People are a big part of your business now as you've, as you've grown. Jenny, I got the sense that you were very much in charge of, of most of the staffing decisions when I was out there, at least you look to be. Uh, how, how important are staff to your business now? And, and I guess everyone that I speak to talks about the perennial issue of staff shortages. How do you go getting the right people for the right job? Yeah, I think um, times have certainly changed over the last few years, but um, essentially we've stuck with our plan of employing apprentices every year. So I'd say over the past 20 years, we would have potentially completed 25 to 30 young people and you know put them into a trade, so to speak. Um, we also now engage with the schools um, and sort of get young kids coming out doing work experience and we're just taking on our second school-based apprenticeship as well this year which has um, been really successful I think. Um, also over the years we've you know battled I guess you would say with um, competing with wages with mining companies. Orange has a pretty broad industry but a lot of trade-based industries do compete with um, with mining salaries, so you've got to come up with different currencies, I suppose, for for different people, and what works for some won't work for others. So there's we have guys that you know love to do lots of hours and and take in the money, so we're happy to to do that for them. And then you know there's others that might have young families and and really want to get to you know. Um, daughter's assembly or that type of thing. So I think um, we've learnt that flexibility is important as well too. So that's a big thing I think that that attracts people to our business. Do you think the perceptions of trades are changing? I think once upon a time every parent wanted their child to go to university. Um, the the skill shortage, particularly in the trades, I think may have shifted that. But is, are, are you seeing that in your business where more parents are wanting their children perhaps to take up a trade because of the opportunities that are out there? Yeah, most definitely. I think um, the schools are now inviting us to come in and, and speak to the kids about, you know, the opportunities that are out there. We um, engage a lot with the community with job expos and, and that sort of thing, which has been really successful. And I think, yeah, a lot of kids are happier once they're out of that school environment and if they're interested in the trade, whether it be, you know, being a welder or a carpenter or an auto sparky, then, you know, they're going to thrive in that environment more so than, you know, sticking it out at school and, and doing a, a degree that they may not necessarily want to use in the future. But it's also, it can be a stepping stone into a managerial role. So we've got guys that have carried out apprentices that are now leaders within our business. So yeah, a trade is definitely, you know, it, it doesn't just end there at the end of the apprenticeship. Yeah, no, I think that's good for people to realise that, that uh, you'll have a multitude of careers by completing a trade. I want to go back in time and uh, get your perspectives uh, on how hard it was during COVID, or perhaps it wasn't hard at all for you, but but I guess, what what was it like and, and what did you learn from the COVID experience? And, and can I start with you, Todd, but I, I want to hear both of your perspectives because I think you had very different roles in your business at that time. Yeah, look, you know, supply chain was a massive drama for us in the initial bit. Um, things that we sourced from overseas all the time for different components would just all of a sudden become unavailable. Um, 
to try and combat that, you know, we went back to our suppliers, put in contingency plans. We doubled in some products our stock holdings. Um, steel and aluminium were really hard to get, so we had different... Um, I put in place in Sydney and in Brisbane, depending on, you know, where the restrictions were at the time, different stockpiles of material and store it all on site. So, you know, that way we could continue to build throughout it. Um, one of the other things that kind of changed it all is, you know, for us, we'd been used to, we were very lucky in the way that we had a lot of forward orders. So that way, you know, like with all the government departments and things, so we were able to pretty much plan what we needed to survive for the next few months, more so than previously where we used to be a um, walking off the street type business. Mm. And Jenny, managing managing your staff and personnel during that period, there was a lot of anxiety around family getting sick, around isolation. How, how did you manage that? Absolutely. Um, one day at a time. As you know, things were changing, you know, rapidly. And at one stage, we were hit with 23 staff members all contracting or one of their family members contracting COVID all at once. And really, there wasn't a lot we could do, you know, during that time as well, too. So um, we also do have a lot of um, migrant workers here as well, too. We have... Um, 10 guys from the Philippines so for them you know I guess that was frightening for for them also and you know just sort of being there for them you know at the same time as well too with with their family being you know overseas and not being able to see them and it yeah it was a stressful time I think for everybody but I think we managed managed our way through as as everybody did the best of their ability. Yeah, uh, it was impressive to see how businesses reacted to what was an enormous challenge that people had never seen before. I, I want to touch on the fact that we often hear uh, in our papers, in our media, around manufacturing being dead in Australia. And touring your plant in Orange, manufacturing is well and truly alive, certainly in your business and in many businesses that are really trailblazing in this space. I want to get your perspectives on, on what does it take to be successful as a manufacturing business in Australia? Look, you know, we plan and strategize a lot um, in the way of our clients. So, you know, we always try and come up with different designs. You know, we do a lot in the way of the, the tender process, um, in our production planning and scheduling. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And pretty much we always try to diversify and stay true to our core product, Chris, but, you know, we have a lot of other products that hinge off that. So I think, you know, it doesn't lock us into one market. So that flexibility, so you can you can change if you need to. Uh, I hate that word pivot, but that sounds like what you've, what you've got, you've designed yeah. for your own business. Yeah, I, I think um, also just keeping up to date with technology and innovation as well too. We've, we've got, you know, 50 guys on the workshop floor, you know, scheduling and planning around what they do day to day can, you know, potentially cost you tens of thousands of dollars per month if it's not done properly. So, yeah, just um, looking at technology on how to improve that um, innovation within our products and our product lines um, and equipment that saves hours in labour and provides a, bit, a better finish, finished product at the end is also key, I think. 
Going back to the success of your business and, and thinking about the lessons you've you've learned, one of the challenges that we have in Australia and including in New South Wales is our our business ownership rate is getting older, i.e. the people who own and run a business are predominantly now 50 plus uh, across across the state of New South Wales. So we need to encourage more young people to take up a career or, or the opportunities to invest and to start their own small business. Sharing your lessons though, what, what advice would you both have for a young person, perhaps has finished a trade, has a few years of experience now under their belt, uh, what lessons would you would you impart with them? Look, you know, I think consistency is a key part in any success of it. And just remembering, you know, that in those many low moments, you're going to have as many highs and you just need to keep chipping away at it before it'll all come together. Um, you know, the the outcomes that you're looking for will not happen overnight that we found. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think you've got to find success in your failures as well. Yeah, and I think also work out what your own strengths are and and employ people and have people around you that complement your skill set. Don't try and be everything. Um, you'll soon burn out. <laughs> and just take time to recharge and, yeah, disconnect yourself from your business every now and then. And I think doing that, you'll come back with fresh ideas and new approach. Does it get easier as you go along? Like the, the, the knowledge and the experience that you build up, does that make future growth easier, challenges that you face easier, or is it just that experience that you bring uh, equips you with the knowledge to go in different paths or to take on different challenges? Oh, look, I think, you know, it probably comes down to your reaction. I think that, you know, you'll sit back and think a lot more before you react to a situation, um, which probably, you know, once again is experience, which provides you with a better outcome. That's good. And plans for Almighty, where where do you go from here? Sort of world domination, perhaps, or what, what, are, what are part of the next expansion plans for, for Almighty? We thought we were already there, Chris. <laughs> pretty impressive to me. <laughs> Look, you know, pretty much, you know, it's just to continually improve the company, build stronger relationships with their existing clients, bring new clientele on board, and just expand our footprint in the industry. Yeah. I think staff as well too, it's always the key to any any business and I think we'll continue to invest in our apprenticeship program and grow our team and develop future leaders from there. What I, what I really liked uh, during my visit, and, and Todd, if you could talk about this, I, I spied on the back of one of the vehicles that you were manufacturing, uh, sort of a green shroud around the, the tow bar with a, a very impressive little symbol in it. Um, would you like to tell our, our listeners more about that? Yeah, look, we, um, uh, we'd won a government contract and we needed to come up with a, a concept around a tow ball step. And I said, and I got the team across and I said, look, you know, we need to come up with something new and innovative. And so we came up with a new design of a step. And I said, look, we don't want this to be under the branding of Almighty Industries. And so we actually called it True Tread. And the um, the company logo for this one was a horseshoe, so it's like a um, a little hidden thing of mine that you know I get my initials in that true tread both times, and our horseshoe in the centre of where we began. 
It was impressive. It wasn't lost on me. It actually stood out. And uh, I remember asking the question and I, I thought the story was a great one because it, it also defines not only your individuality in the business, but, but the origins of the business, which I thought was very impressive. Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, no, I like seeing them each day. <laughs> That's great. Look, thank you so much for your time today. I, I think if there's ever a business that I've seen in the last two and a bit years as commissioner that has gone on the full journey and now is no longer a small business. You are a legitimate small, medium enterprise business kicking goals across the state uh, and indeed selling product beyond the state of New South Wales, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Jenny and Todd. Look, we'd like to thank you, mate. We really appreciate the chance to join your podcast and the time that you spent with us when you came out and have the chat. Yeah. Thanks very much, Chris. Thank you. Cheers. I'm Chris Lamont. Thanks for listening. We'll return soon with another episode of Talking Business.